0: رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الخلق سيد المسلم سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم افتح لنا فتحا مبينا وارزقنا رزقا مباركا كريما رب شح لنا صدورنا ويسر لنا أمورنا واحل لنا عقدا من ألسنتنا يفقاه قولنا ربنا ادخلنا مدخل صدق وأخرجنا مخرج صدق واجعل لنا من لدنك سلطان نصيرا اللهم صلي وسلم وبارك على سيدنا وحبيبنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين as alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. InshaAllah today we'll discuss Surah As-Sajdah. A surah entitled The Prostration. Um, coming uh, on the heels of um, Surah Luqman. And um, just very quick inshaAllah, a couple of things, couple of thoughts about it before we uh, delve deeper. It's a very short sur- surah. Again, we're coming to that part of the Qur'an, the last third of the Qur'an, where the surahs get smaller and smaller uh, yet not necessarily meaning less in meaning and, and, and profoundness um, this surah is very dense with, with, with richness and mysteries um, uh, couple of thoughts on inshallah first uh, the special place of the surah in the heart of Prophet Muhammad so if, uh, if nothing else is going to draw our attention to this Enough for us to know that Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has understood that this surah is so significant in its meanings in drawing him closer and closer to Allah that he used to recite it as reported every Friday morning in Salatul Fajr. Every Friday morning, Salatul Fajr. The Prophet Sallallahu would read Surah Al-Sajda in the first Raka'ah. Every Friday. And in the second Raka'ah, Surah Al-Insan. First Raka'a Surah Al-Sajda and second Raka'a Surah Al-Insan That in itself should compel us to ask Why is the Prophet وسلم, reciting this Surah? It must contain something very meaningful to him It must contain some meanings that are very essential for him to continue to reflect on and remember That is the honor of this very special Surah comes right after Surah al whose essence was about wisdom and attaining wisdom in life. Attaining that juice of comprehension, of understanding, and then putting that into practice. And we've seen that embodied in the in the example of that figure, that Sage, Luqman, and how he transmitted this understanding that Allah has given him to his own child. Indeed, demonstrating that wisdom, even in the act of teaching his child, demonstrating wisdom. Even in the act and the how, right, of teaching his own child, right? But the essence of that wisdom was what? Was ca- encapsulated in the first instruction, reminder of Luqman to his child, which was what? The essence of everything is gratitude. This is the most difficult thing to attain in life. It really is. It's not easy, right? Uh, and instructing people to be thankful is not going to make them thankful it is really a mindset of understanding that I'm indeed in a blessing and it all originates from Allah very easy to shift our focus onto what we don't have very easy, that's the tendency of the mind the tendency of the mind is to see the cup half half empty and not half full, subhanallah that's the challenge, the test. it's a very difficult task and And thoughts are uncontrollable in our minds, right? So when there is a space in our minds, emptiness, thoughts would come to fill it, but essentially with, you know, uh, being colored by this sense of not having enough, right? And what happens when you have that? We're afraid, we're sad, etc., etc., etc. The ultimate thought is thankfulness. Allah says if you're able to shift your attention and focus onto the gifts that you already have, but it's not enough to say this. It is to understand that they come from Allah. Every single time we think that thought, you automatically feel better. Isn't it true? You feel better. You start to smile. Isn't it amazing that a thought can shift our emotions? That's what Allah says in the beginning of this Quran, this blessed Quran, Alhamdulillah. Rabbil ala. Learn this and enough for you. Walk this walk of gratitude. Now this surah is amazing comes, first of all, it's entitled, last surah was entitled by a figure, name of a figure, Luqman. And this surah comes to be entitled by an act. This act, the, the prostration. Allah says, this prostration, ultimately, if you were to just summarize it quickly, as far as what the theme of this surah is about, is that this sajda, this act, that this surah will elaborate on, is ultimately a substantiation a demonstration, a translation of what? Gratitude, subhanallah. If you're truly, truly wise, you'll be truly thankful to Allah. And if you're truly thankful to Allah, because ultimately wisdom has to be what? Shown. You'll be what? Your body would be compelled to fall on the ground, and you would put your head down and say, Subhana Rabbi. So the act itself that this surah is entitled with is in itself a translation of this gratitude. It's not enough to say, I am thankful, I'm grateful, but I'm not going to give you anything. I'm not going to say I'm, thank- I'm thanking you. I'm not going to go out of my way to show you, show you kindness. How, how good of a gratitude is that? The ultimate gratitude to Allah is shown not in coerced acts. No, no, no. In the body itself coming to perform that prostration. Feeling that I have to, I should be, I want to put my head down for Allah. This is in a, in a very short, brief terms. But this surah is about much more than this. This surah in its short 30 verses comes to encapsulate many themes of the Qur'an. A lot of the themes in the Qur'an, from faith to, um, to, to the end of times and the return to Allah... To talking about the sons of Allah Himself, and contemplating the sons of Allah, all you know, encapsulated in the Surah. To speaking about judgment, and sorting out truth from falsehood, to the fate of nations, all summed up in this beautiful Surah. Hard to imagine how it flows. But what is it really more essentially about? The Surah is going to get into the worlds of Allah the mysteries of the worlds of Allah. If you were to just kind of define them in simple terms, there are two worlds that Allah has created. Two worlds, that belong to Allah And Allah is going to get into them. In simple terms, they are the spiritual world, the spiritual world of Allah, or even we say in Arabic, the world of Amr. The world where Allah issues His commands. This is a mysterious world. Mysterious world to us, unknown to us. We can't really physically act access it. It's veiled from us. Right? And Allah Azza wa Jalla has created this world that emanates and issues from what world? From the spiritual world. It's not the other way around. That is the more encompassing world. That is the transcendent world. We're in the world of form and matter. Right? The problem is that our vision is limited to this world. And the question is, how to access the other world? This story is about this. How do you access the greater world? The world that contains the essential meanings, the reality. Truth. That world, if you're in it right now, if I'm in it, you will will not be confused. You will perceive and see reality as reality is. No two people will differ. Imagine all the differences here. Differences of opinion, the conjecture, the guessing as to what truth is, all the theories that we've come up with to explain the world and explain reality. Why is that happening? Because our eyes, as this surah tells us, fool us. We think we can attain the full truth on our own. Through our vision, our minds, we think we can. Allah says it's not possible. To attain that, true perception of reality and haq, you cannot on your own, now Allah has given us the faculty as he tells us in the surah to attain it but it's not enough by itself how do I unveil that how do I arrive at really gaining that perception of reality Allah says it's going to demand of you something it's going to demand for you to slip into a subtle state of your being See, people think I can look at 1 plus 1 equals 2. I can read something and on my own I'm going to arrive at the truth. No, it's not possible. How else would the eyes then fool us? They fool us all the time. Isn't it true? How often do we misinterpret words we hear? How often do we look at things, you know, enough to look at light? Allah gave us this example in front of our eyes. Have you heard of the refraction of light? Right? You look in water... Right? And what happens to the rays of light? They're bent. So if you place an object on top of the water, and you look in the water, does it really show it in the, in the location where it should appear? No, it's bent. So you know, you're placing the object here, water is here, the object should appear, the reflection here. Isn't it true? But why does it appear? Right here. You're like, why is it there? Why? studied refraction? The light hits, the light ray hits the water and is bent. And the light carries an image. So wait a minute, is it here or is it here? Where's, where should the reflection be? Why is it here? Because Allah bent the light. Just to show us very simply, your eyes are thinking it should be here, but it's here. But it's, not, but it's in neither. It's only a reflection. But it's refracted. How often have we spoken about the stars? Again, light carries an image. Right? That's how we see things. If you turn off the light, you cannot see anything. The stars that we're looking at, how are we seeing them? Through light that is reflected on them or that emanates from them. That's it. By the time that the light arrives at your eyes is when you really see. But how long has it taken for that light to arrive? The closest star to to us, the closest, other than the sun. Right? Sun is a star. It's, you know... Some 93 million miles away. 93 million miles away. It takes the light 8 minutes to arrive. So when you look at the sun when it, when it, when it rises in, shor- in short moments, you're not really looking at the sun right now. By the time the image comes to you, light capturing that image for you, it's already 8 minutes. So you saw the, the sun 8 minutes ago. Your eyes think it's now. It's not. What about the star that is close, You know, the next closest star? It's four light years away. Four light years away. How far is that? Five, some 46 million, 46 million kilometers away. They're like, what? No, no, billion, sorry. What am I saying? I forgot the distance. Don't quote me on this. 93 million is the sun. The distance is so massive that I can tell you that it takes the, sun, the light, light four years to arrive here. Four years, so you're looking at that star. It's called, it's called Proxima Centauri. Proxima Centauri. So you're looking at that star and you think it's there. It's not. That's the image four years ago. What about the farther stars? The scientists say you might be, say that you might be looking at stars that died already. But you think they're there. What am I saying? Eyes fool you. So how do I see then? How do I make sense of all of this and see the reality behind the images that I see? Allah says it's not possible for you. You have to slip into a different state of being in you. The state of the soul. Only the soul can see it. Only the soul can see that through that veil of the symbols that we live in. But how do I slip into that state? Because if you slip into that state, you're able to see. Not through your brain, but through your heart, and through your soul. Allah gives us in this surah two keys. One of them is the light of what? Quran. It's the light. Because this Quran didn't come from this world of creation. It didn't come from the world of matter and form. Where did it come from? The spiritual world. The world of the commands of Allah. Alamul Amr. So it came to us as a gift from there into this world to allow us to gain access to that world. The light of it, when it shines upon your heart, you're able to see. And you now can slip into that state of consciousness. Where it's not about your eyes anymore. It's like you're closing your eyes, but you can see. Because you see with a different faculty. And the faculty itself, where did it come from? The faculty of soul. Where did it come from? World of form? You're going to see it in the surah, Allah breathed into him, her, you, us. From his spirit. It's from that world. So the soul itself already has what it takes to see because it came from that world. But it's not enough. It cannot see in its own still. It demands a lot of the Quran. It demands a lot of the Quran. So Allah will elaborate in the surah on how those souls that are able to see and they see through the light of the Quran, they see that true perception of reality. And you're able to also slip into that state through powerful, sacred acts that Allah has given us from that world. He says, you want to connect with that world? Put your head where? Put your head on the ground. SubhanAllah. So let your body, which came from this world, connect with this ground, but start to glorify Allah. Glorify him over and over and over and recite his verses and use the faculty of your brain to contemplate the mysteries around you, and you're going to find yourself what? On your own, feeling the presence of Allah. You'll find yourself closest to Allah. You'll find yourself in that state where you're able to see and perceive reality, as reality is, not as you think it is. This is what the surah is about. It's ultimately a surah about contemplating the mysteries of the sons of Allah in this world, so we can gain access to what? The next world. And you're going to see it in your own life by you falling without even control to prostrate to Allah when you really grasp and understand that world. You're going to fall in your own. You're going to say, it doesn't make sense any other way. My heart is compelling me to fall on the ground right now and pray to Allah. It will no longer be a ritual. It will no longer be just an act that I have to do. No, 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 no. You feel compelled the fallen prostration to Allah wa let us inshallah now go over the some of the verses at least and see how that plays out how these meanings that i just shared with you manifest in the surah allah begins the surah by the billahi minash shaitanir rajeem bismillahir alif lam mim tanzilul kitabi la raiba fih min rabbil alamin so allah begins the surah by the letters alif lam mim reminding us that this Quran is ultimately composed from letters letters that came from Allah Azza wa to allow us to articulate and understand concepts right and is challenging the Arabs at the time come up with something like it here are letters for you here are letters compose something like it but also these letters are themselves a mystery this is what we think they mean what we think they mean but they contain oceans remember in the last surah what did Allah say? If you brought seven oceans, meaning what? Many, 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 many oceans. And turned them into ink. All of them are ink. And you brought all the trees. Many earths that contain trees. And you turned all the wood of all the trees into pens. And used the ink of these many, many, many oceans to write out the commands of Allah and the acts of Him creating. Will they end? Will, 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 will Allah's acts and commands ever perish or be in, 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 you know, exhaustible? Absolutely not. Infinite. Infinite. That's the world of Allah. SubhanAllah. Right? So Allah is reminding all of us. SubhanAllah, you think that's what you think it means? That's a superficial meaning. Mysteries behind these letters that we don't know. Then Allah reminds us about that gift that He gave us from the heavens that allowed the eyes to see and understand. This is it. He says, ila الْكِتَابِ لَا رَيْبَ al-Rabb He says, the revelation, the descent of this special book of Allah, this kitab, no doubt about it. Who's telling us this? You know, we're creatures of doubt and skepticism. This is what's troubling us. And, and confusion over, you know, what truth is? What's, what's the right thing? Right? What's false? We're constantly debating these things. Allah literally, like, clarify this, set the record straight, a grand finality. He says, there is no doubt about it. What else do you need? I'm telling you, from that world, there's no doubt about it. Where did it come to you, my Rabbil Alameen? Because this word, came to you from, the nurturer, the master of all the worlds. Your world, the world of form, his world, the spiritual world, all the worlds contained within this world and the whole universe right and there's a a reference to that the witnessed world shahada means to witness he calls it we see the symbols here they're symbols my body is a symbol that's it your body is a symbol they contain secrets behind them and something else within you embedded in you called soul that comes from where? Alamul ghayb, Ghaib is that which you cannot perceive not even just see it's unknown to you Ghaib is absent we translate it as unseen it's much more than unseen seen means eyes but it's unknown completely to you it's veiled from you Allah is the Lord of both and he's telling you this book is from me and it is the truth no doubt about it then he says how dare they the people in the time of Prophet Muhammad they didn't want to believe. Because they're what? Remember Surah Al-Ankabut? See how the surahs are interrelated? What happened to them? They got entrapped in what? In the web. The web of this world. Because it's attractive and it's alluring, we fall so in love with it, and Allah says what gets us in trouble is not really anything but being attracted to this world. Falling in love to the point where you worship it. You start to worshiping so much with your body, with my body, that the faculty of seeing, which is heart and soul, is completely neglected. And rust develops over it so it cannot see anymore. Because we're busy indulging. Being busy indulging in this world. So these people were busy indulging in this world. They didn't want to leave it. That's their God, this world. So when they were presented with this beautiful reminder, the light of Allah that allows their hearts to see, they didn't want that. Because they're engrossed in indulgence. So what do they do? They, they, they themselves they don't want to believe it. Or they thought there is truth in it, but they don't want to follow it. But also they don't want others to follow. That's the degree, the degree to which the human being can corrupt himself. We corrupt ourselves, but it's not enough. I want others to be corrupt. Right? Because it, it doesn't please me if others are not following my way. Right? And that they have this truth. No, no, no! I ain't gotta get you to, <laughs> to my side. So they started doing what iftara, producing fabrications against the Quran. What did they say about the Quran? Ancient tales, right? Oh, how 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 am I gonna convince you not to look at something? Allah is telling us truth, but they don't want others to follow in Mecca. They said they started saying, "Don't don't follow this nonsense. This is a man crazy. They call him crazy. They call him a poet." Prophet Muhammad, and they said, Well, they they kind of start throwing all kinds of fabrications, hoping one of them would stick. Right? And they also said that it's nothing but ancient tales. He kind of assembled some ancient tales he learned, he heard, put them together, jumbled them up, and it's this thing. Right? Instead of really addressing what the Quran says. So, what did they say? Attack the messenger, instead of talking about the message. Because you cannot talk about the message because it's so it's so amazing it's so powerful that they used to go and they placed plugs in their ears. Why are you so afraid of it? If you're so smart and you're so intelligent, why are you afraid of hearing it? Because they understood its power. And if it's really magic, then why are you not being affected by that magic? Right? They said it's magic, so why are you not being affected? If 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 Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is such a magician, and this world is magic, it should affect everybody, right? But why are you not affected? Because it's fabrications. Nonsensical fabrications. And yet people fall for them. See what happens with our intellects? When we're not guided by Allah, even the brain starts to producing nonsense. We see it all around us in our lives. People who start talking nonsense. And people follow the nonsense. You tweet it out, right? You post it on Facebook, and people follow it. That's the crazy stuff. Like, oftentimes when we even politics say, how are people, like, voting for such and such? Like, how? You know politicians speak nonsense. Fabrications. We know it. They know it. They are the words. And people know it. And yet, they still support. What's happening? Because our minds misguide us. The we'll see truth as truth and we don't see falsehood as falsehood so Allah says no but they're fabricating against it then he emphasizes it no certainly it is the truth from Allah Azza from your Lord for what purpose من من so that you warn people so that you remind people awaken them awaken them in the hope that they are guided so Allah is interested in guiding us Allah wants us to be guided. You're going to see an amazing theme emerging in the Surah. This world. You know, how do we know? Again, question about existence of God. Allah is going to show us why it really is the case. The argument is so clear why there is a God. Allah didn't create this world in play. Isn't that what we learn? Right? We heard, again, all kinds of theories explaining... The real, attempted to explain the reality of this world. Wallahi, nonsense! They came up with the theory on oh, no. their own. Like, and Allah tells us, have you have you gotten a record, a document from somebody to, from the from the other world telling you this is the truth? Like, so how did you come up with it? Your mind, whims. That's it. Oh God! You know they say God doesn't exist. So you say, okay, how how does this make sense then? How do you, how do you make sense of this incredibly intricate world that fits together? Right. And the fact that we feel emotions we spoke about this many, many times. How do you make sense? They said, Well, well, maybe God exists, but He left it alone. Nonsense. So they come up with all kinds of theories, none of which is based on a foundation. Right? We always say even in, in our interactions, well, produce your evidence. Where's your evidence? Did you get this from a written statement from someone? Right? An authority? Nobody just accepts random words. Isn't it true? We're always challenging the authenticity and the, of the claims of people. Why suddenly we don't challenge the authenticity and the claims of people who come up with nonsense about the existence of God? Allah says, it is haq. It is. In the hope that you got it, so Allah's not just creating us in random play. No, 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 no. It's purposeful, and He wants to guide you to it. He's not interested in us suffering, as many people misinterpret. Right? It's the misinterpretation. Because we adore this world, so we start saying, God is, yeah, exists, but He's evil. Because He is allowing evil to happen. Well, no. Our vision is limited to this world. But Allah's world is bigger. Remember the other world? So the meaning of this, what you think is suffering, is not suffering. If you are accessing the the next world, you'll see that it's not. But because we're limited to here, we think it is. So we start to come up again with claims against God, attributing nonsense to God. Right? Allah says, I'm interested in you. My mercy is enfolding you. And I want to guide you. And then he reminds us, so here's a surah now compelling us to contemplate the signs of Allah. Right? He says, okay, I'll give you a mind. I want you to use it to start analyzing these symbols around you, these signs around you. And if you humbly do this, Remember wisdom in Surah Luqman? Gratitude. But what else? What demonstrated somebody's wisdom? How do they walk? They walk with what? Humility. humility. If we're humble, if we just humbly, humbly reflect on the sons of Allah, it will take us there. But with humility, not arrogance, not, not refusal and rejection. So Allah says, here I am, I'm giving you signs. Allah khalaq as-samawati. So Allah is revealing to us, revealing already, telling us things about this world, the other world, that we will never know. You'll never know about angels. You'll never know about the Day of Judgment. You'll never know about some fact about Allah's creation, how He did things without Allah revealing it to you in the Quran. Impossible. How beautiful that we have a document that allows us, gives us information about a world that we cannot see or perceive. The only conduit, channel that you have to the heavens is this, to understand anything from the heavens. So Allah says, it is Allah who created the heavens and the earth. That's it. Because he said this is the Haqq. So you want to ask the question, how did it come? I am telling you, Allah created it. He's saying, I created it. And let me give you an additional fact. It's still mysterious to you. Don't start to analyze it according to your parameters. He created it in six days. But it's not your days. Because Allah sits above what? Time. But now, words, how do you understand that world? The only vehicle I have is words. But can words limit it, capture the true essence and reality of that infinite world? Impossible. Impossible. So what Allah gives us are words that we understand in this world. But they're nothing but approximations. So when he says day, it's not your day and my day. Because Allah is above space and time. Allah is above space and time. In fact, how are the days produced in our world? How do I understand that? What's the concept of day? It's based on what? Uh, Very simple. Rotation of earth around its axis. Not by itself though. It rotates. Is that enough? Is that that going to make night and day? You have to rotate. The sun rotates 24 hours around itself. In the presence of what? The sun. And because we rotate, you start seeing this cycle of sun rising and sun descending. Right? We produce something called a day. If you go to Mars, is the day 24 hours? No, it's not. It rotates, I believe, much slower. Right? Much slower around itself. So the day is really long. Right? Imagine Pluto. Imagine now the stars. What's their day? What about if if the if the the rotation is so slow or very fast? Right? Like pulsar stars. I believe they rotate like for God. It's crazy. It's like thousand spins in a second. Can you imagine? There's a star that spins around itself thousand times a second. It's like what kind of a day is that? Right? Oh, Subhanallah. That's the world of Allah pulsating constantly, thousand times around around itself in a second. That's the world of Allah. So, all this was created by Allah. The sun was created by Allah. Earth was created by Allah. Rotation was created by Allah. So how do we say that Allah has a day? Right? Because yes, this is in our world only. But He's giving us the term, to, to just for us to understand. Right? But it's, Allah doesn't take time to do things. Allah doesn't need time. He's, Above, He transcends time and space. Space and time are concepts concept of this world, that's it. Allah is transcendent and infinite. You cannot be put into a form, or put into a time frame, or put into a space. But yet He tells us, and we have to just submit to it. It's a mystery. He created the world in six days. Then He says, what's in between them? So there is a process of creation. And Allah doesn't leave us there. He's going to give us additional details in the surah, of how you were created and constructed, so if you ask one question: Wow, all this design shouldn't shouldn't it have a purpose? Because if there is a lot of intricate design to something, it has to have a purpose. Otherwise, why why, why so, such intricacy and what such why such completeness? Allah is inviting us to think. So He says afterward, the Mustawa Al Well, translation mounted the throne again. Does he mount a throne like a human being sits on a throne? Is the throne like our? Th- no, it's not transcendent. It's in a manner that we will never be able to comprehend until we're in that world. You let her understand it, so you submit. So some scholars said, "See that nothing plays with your head at all, right? In terms of form and matter, when you think about Allah, this is nothing but a symbol pointing to the authority of Allah. Because who sits on the throne in our world?" kings to, to symbolize power. power authority right Allah is using this expression because it's beyond you some scholars said well we don't know that for like it's definitely a meaning but Allah did ma- does mount the throne but it's in a matter that we will never understand because Allah is not a body right make sense so it's both you can look at them as both but ultimately it's a reminder from Allah of his ultimate power Absolute infinite power and source of power and authority telling us, Who are you submitting to? Shouldn't you be submitting to me? Do you think there is a veil between you and me? Do you think anything يحولو, will prevent you from me, will protect you, will veil you, will obstruct you from me? There's no veil, right? Allah has access to everything because He made everything. That's why we say, La hawla wa la Hawla is a barrier. We mistranslate this expression often, say la hawla, you know it's a beautiful... Allah said this expression is a kenz, a treasure from paradise. Why? It's reminding us of this verse, of the ultimate authority. Allah says la, none, nay, no, hawl is a barrier, like that pillar, wab stands between me, or Jamal is a hawl between me and Shahzad, he's standing in between. So I cannot access Shazad because there is a barrier. That's how it. is what? power. So there is no barrier, no power to allow you to do except Allah. nothing can take hold you back. nothing is a real barrier. nothing can protect you from evil. nothing can permit you to do a thing except Allah. Every single thing, absolutely. Even the thought that emerges in your head is from Allah. All the cellular activities in your body, from Allah, every single operation, every single operation every single operation brothers and sisters and we've shared before statements from scientists including the founder of quantum physics who said that every every atomic vibration every atomic vibration originates from a source beyond it right? and he called it he wanted to say God but he didn't, he said the matrix the mysterious matrix that's the source of all of this it's not from it it originates from outside and he said it's very evident from all their observations and all the signs that they've conducted on the atom to say that it is vibrated by an external source whose energy allows it to vibrate that's that's Allah reminding us in this surah in this verse excuse me then he tells us you have none Beyond him who's going to serve as a wali or a shafia Wali is your protector, shafia is an intercessor. Nobody can intercede on your behalf with Allah without His permission. And you have none. Allah has to appoint him, meaning that He's everything. He's everything, right? He's your only protector, He's your only, only intercessor, so to speak. Wouldn't you remember this essential meaning? Isn't is it? This all there is. You see, see the simplicity and the beauty of it? Yet, what? We struggle with it. Because of what? Because we fool ourselves with our eyes and the body that wants to adore this world, wants to indulge itself in this world to the point where it becomes, the heart becomes blind. Then Allah tells us in verse 5 Here's another mysterious verse. Where Allah says, Yudabirul Amra. Yudabir means to um, administer, run, um, manage things, plan it out. Plan it out completely. Tadbir is like the precise, taking care of the precise details. The intricate, tiny details of something. Completely of what? Al Amr. Yudabirul Amra, the whole command and all the affairs. So Allah didn't just Answering those who say God created the world and doffed it. What does he say here? No, no, no. I'm Qayyum. al hayyu Al-Qayyum. What is Qayyum? Comes from Qa'im. Standing. Or Qa'im ala shay. Like, constantly making something stand. So, I'm holding this. It's not, it's not, it's not, uh, in this position on its own. No, no. I am, I am the one holding it. Imagine the hand of Allah, no comparisons, holding everything and running every single operation in the heavens and the earth. He's behind it. That's why I shared that statement from the scientist, Max Planck, who said that thing about every single vibration comes from an external source that runs it in that time. If you disrupt or uh, 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 stop that energy from flowing, the operation stops. We're dead, brothers and sisters, if Allah is not sustaining us right now. It's not just because of your heart. No, no Allah sustaining the beats right now. It's an external source, for sure. For sure. Our consciousness, none of it can happen right now without Allah. Wow, how does He do that, all of that? He says, يُدَبِّرُ umrah, All of it. But then He tells us more details. He says, He administers and runs all the details. From the heavens to the earth. Remember the world of the command of Allah? عَلَمُ Alam amr He issues all the commands. What is? How does Allah, by the way, initiate? What does he say? <coughs> Kun. <coughs> two letters Mysterious Kun, Done it, is, it manifests right away So Allah doesn't have time Allah doesn't accord, work according to those parameters because He transcends them So He issues the command Done It's created But then when it manifests in our world, it's, it's elongated over what? Time Does it make sense? It's a little bit hard concept to understand. The world of Allah is above this. There's no time. He produced this world, right? And imagine you're looking at a water tank, like a fish tank. You're looking at it from the outside. The so fish are moving in that space, but you're above it. So you create your own world in it, and you're just observing the whole thing. Or like you observing cars passing by, right? It's like you know. Imagine sitting on a roof and you see the movement of the cars, you see everything. And it's all contained in that street. But your experience is not like their experience of reality. Because you're sitting from the outside. That's it. Very simple. Even past and present. For the cars, you know, they're moving through points, right? So when they cross a point, it's in it's behind them. But if you're looking at things from the roof, you see everything. Past, present and future are all one. This is a very simple analogy. Imagine Allah Azza wa Jal. So He's telling us, He issues those commands and they are the source, the reason why everything exists here. So you are issued by command of Allah. kun and you are. So He tells us, these commands descend from the heavens to the earth into the world of form. ثُمَّ يَعْرَجُوا Allah reminds us of something amazing that will happen. He says, everything in this world, the created order, the world of form and matter, all the affairs, all the souls, everything in it, all the actions, and their outcomes, are going to return back to Allah. On a day that appears to be a thousand years, he says, from what you count. Again, what is this thousand years? No, no, we get entangled by these verses. Day of Allah is equal to thousand years. And we start thinking days and nights and years. That's the world of Allah. He's approximating for us. Because the words cannot capture the reality of that world. Nor convey their meanings and essence. So he it says it's like, like thousand years of what you count. Meaning what? If you, if for you it's really long, but for Allah it's what? It's young. It's very quick. Does that make sense? So a day for Allah is like a thousand from what we count, right? Well, in another surah, surah al maarij he says fifty thousand, referring to the day of judgment where all the souls and the angels return back to Allah. He says it's like fifty thousand. So, wait a minute—is it thousand or fifty thousand? Allah saying it's too long for you. It's not fifty or thousand. It's not. He's just using these expressions, right, based on the scholarly interpretations, to just convey the fact that for Allah, it's nothing, no time. But for you, it feels very long if you were to really experience it here. But when you emerge out of this world, it's going to feel like what? Blink of an eye. So Allah says, when you come out of this world, you think you've lived all the experience of years and years and years of life. When you come out of this world, you see reality, and now you remember this life. And how do you remember it? It's like, was it an hour? Was it part of a day? Allah says, you're going to say that. It's going to feel like a dream. What's another experience I always refer to that captures that? I just said it. Sleep in dreams. What happens in dreams? You slip into the dream, right? And you have a story. I, man, my good. I had an adventure, by the way. Just, real. Last night, I'm glad I was out of it. <laughs> it's not fun. Things break. Like, oh my goodness. Like, wow. Dramatic things happening in the story that I was living. I was like, whoa, that was... When I woke up, like, alhamdulillah, I woke up from this. But then something else, it felt like a long time. But when I came out, I'm like, my goodness, I, I remember I woke up and I went back to sleep. It's like 15 minutes. All that happened in 15 minutes? Allah is giving us different experiences of perception of time. They tell us, I'm even showing it to you in your dreams. You slipped into... You know, the, even the movie Inception is all about this, right? As you delve deeper into dreams... You start experiencing longer kind of experiences of time, but in the world of the one who's dreaming it, it's much shorter perception of time. By the way, in in uh, you know, according to the theory of relativity, you know, this is all based on Einsteinian physics. Speed at the speed of light, what happens? Like okay, nothing gets to the speed of light. As you get faster and faster, move faster and faster. Now I'm not talking about Using a, you know, driving a Tesla, no, or Ferrari, no. I'm talking about massive speeds, massive speeds, even getting closer to the speed of light. What happens to time? Does it go faster or slower? Slower. If you go into space and start traveling at fast speeds, your experience of time will start to be elongated. Like, things will not feel like a year. Like, a year will be like an hour. That's it. It's like, and you'll be living a long time. So you'll, you, if you really go out into space and come back to this world, you'll be much younger. You'll not have white hairs. So here, I might have lived 10 years. For the person living in space, it's like a day. SubhanAllah. it's is real. This is real physics. It's called time dilation. Time dilation. Right? So Allah's telling you, I'm just giving you experiences. Imagine the mysteries. How is that world going to be? There's no past or future in it. So Allah's telling us, everything will go back to Allah. Like like this, blink of an eye. But it appears to you in this world to be a thousand years or fifty thousand. Makes sense? Now, um, Allah Azza wa Jalla says, Dalika "That is Him, Alim, the Knower of what? The two worlds of the Shahada, the witness world, your world, and the Alam al the world that is unknown to you, that is veiled from you, and the powerful, the merciful. This verse sums up the essential qualities about Allah. What are they? The most important things to know about Allah, His qualities, what are they? Three, His complete, we refer to it with the throne, His complete what? Power, and authority. No one has power but Allah. None. لا حول ولا قوة إلا بلا. What else? Is that enough? imagine if all we think about Allah's authority and power we'd be scared right, he does have it but Allah is also what, yes. very what yes. Rahman, very merciful absolutely, infinitely merciful wow, how beautiful is Allah imagine, this is our you know when you ask why Islam what's different about our conceptions of God it is perfect perfect conception of God he's the most powerful, yet the most merciful and what else does he have Imagine being powerful, well, a king can be powerful, not fully powerful, but has some power, has some uh, mercy. Is that enough to run the affairs of your kingdom? What else do you need? What is? Rahim, that's mercy, power. But what, Okay, I'm powerful, I'm merciful. But I don't know what's happening in the life of Jamal. Knowledge. knowledge, exactly. And you have to have knowledge. Allah has full knowledge. All summed up in verse 6. He says, what else? What else do you need in Allah? Isn't it enough for you, for me? Subhanallah. That's truth, brothers and sisters. Who can see that? Allah is telling us in this surah, who can really see it? Remember the veil? The ones who are going to perform certain acts and follow the Quran and the law of the Quran will be able to see it and sense it and experience it. Then Allah says, reminding us of His creation again, inviting the mind to think back, use your faculty. He says, He says, the one, let me tell you more about me. The one who perfected, beautified everything he created. Wow, this is really deep. He says, well, everything that I made is, everything he issued in that world, the world of the commands of Allah, is perfect. It manifests here, what? Our bodies, our experiences. Now, what happens to the body? It's going to get ill, blah, blah, blah. People hurt each other. All kinds of things happen, right? What do we start to say? It's a world of evil. We start to say, well, why did God allow it? It's imperfect. How come this person is short? How come this person doesn't see with one, except with one eye? Oh, what kind, of, what kind of... Why did God make it that way? We start to question what? God's wisdom, knowledge, and perfection. Allah says, no, it's your eyes that are incomplete. It is perfect. If you were to see the, next, the other world and see God's wisdom and knowledge. Right? Because the, the reality is not this, just this world, but we start to judge things based on the parameters of this world. That's why we become dissatisfied, remember? Discontent and ungrateful. Allah says, trust me, it's perfect. It's beautiful, it's your eyes that are fooling you. Even an illness, yes, it is perfect. It's meant to deliver a purpose. Fulfill a purpose. You just do not understand the purpose. You do not understand the purpose. Why such and such is suffering from this or that. All are creation of Allah. And it's perfect. It's just our misjudgment of it. So Allah says, alladhi أَحْسَنَ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ khalaqa Then He tells us, Lord, well, let me remind you, if you're not seeing it, then at least trust Me. You know, again, the best analogy that it captures this is for me, children with, with parents. The parent is asking the child to sleep early, to drink milk, right, to study. The child saying, "No, no, no, nonsense! It's too much work. Why are you making me suffer?" Right? The parent tries to explain, and the child doesn't get it. Five years of age. How am I going to get that? Right? Why do I have to take bitter medicine? What are you doing to me? Your heart. You're hurting me. Right? No, 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 no. I'm helping you. I don't get it. I don't want that. Then you say, "Well, one day you'll know." Trust me, you'll know. Twenty years when you have, when your intellect has matured a little bit, you'll understand. When you hear yourself are father and mother, you'll understand. But you know the five-year-old is not going to get it. Allah says the same way, he's telling us, "Just trust me; it is perfect. Just be what content and grateful. Remember, Luqman he got it's like yeah, Allah Subhanahu. I just have to submit. Be in harmony with the commands of Allah. Be in harmony with them. And when you do this, your heart comes to experience tranquility, and starts to see, and perceive. reality as reality is that's powerful so Allah is telling us furthering this reflection for you why should you trust me? why should I that demands me believing that God exists he says, okay, let me me give you another example of why really necessarily there has to be a perfect God he says (laughs) let me tell you about the process of creation so that you start to trust me it is he who constructed you from clay, from dust look at your body, actually they've analyzed the skin of human beings they contain the same elements as sand can you you believe this? if you look at sand and the construction of sand and the elements forming sand same material is in the skin like you came from there you know it, I know it it's like okay, who did that? why did it have to be again that way? Why is it so intricate? Then he didn't stop. Then he says, to Well, if it was just Adam, السلام, constructed from that, and there's no f- additional aspects to his creation, we will not exist. Why? How, do, how are we here? Allah says, Let me remind you again of the intricate process that I put in place for you to exist. I created the first human beings from clay. Then I put forth a process of reproduction. How are you reproduced? Through a fluid that's transmitted from male to female, and there's insemination, sperm and an egg carried with a fluid. Allah says, "Who put that in place?" Without that, you and I do not exist. So He says, "Your progeny, generation after generation after generation, is permitted to be to be is allowed only through that process of reproduction." through semen and through fluid. And this fluid happens to be very lowly. Very lowly. It's like, you'd get disgusted from it. Yet, it's the material and the substance that contains your essence. This Sulala min This fluid that you're looking at, you're like, don't want to look at it? You know what it contains? Your essence. Think about it. All your genes, every part of you, is contained in that little, little tiny it, Right? And subhanAllah, and the sperm carries it and then it interacts with the egg and, you're, and then you're, you evolve into what you are. Wow! You're transmitting the genes and the cells through that little thing that you don't want even to look at? Allah says, yeah, who made that? Why does it have to be that way? Who constructed it so beautifully and intricately? It's so intricate and complex. Random. Wow! Like, who chose it that way? There has to be intelligence behind that design. It's an intricate design. That's what the surah is saying. Let me invite you to reflect on an example of an intricate design about you. Just think about you. You see, see where you originated from. The process itself, when then the embryo got implanted. Right? I mean, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll go into the next part of the process. But, but before that, in, in other verses of the Quran, Allah says, well, then this thing got planted in the womb, and then it started to grow. Etc., etc., for nine months as precise duration. Why does it have to be that way? Allah is inviting us to think it's an intricate design. It's an amazing design. Does it not have purpose? Really? Like, we must be really dumb to think that that amazing, intelligent design does not have purpose behind it. We attribute purpose to everything. We say, hey, Shavit, what did you mean by that? Why do I have to mean anything? Because my mind demands that there is meaning behind that thing. What did you mean by that? What was your intention? Don't we say that? Why suddenly, for our own creation, and, and we look at our faculty and how we were made, we don't say what was the intention. There has to be intention. There has to be purpose. You're saying it's unintended? Yet every single thing we say, behind it is an intention. When I drink this water, there is an intention to satiate myself and full my, you know, satisfy my thirst. There's an intention. Why suddenly, Behind our creation, there is no intention. So it's actually an answer to the question of God, and existence of God, right here. Allah doesn't stop. Then He says, min ruhi, wa lakum sama wal wal-afida, ma He says, but your construction is not just body. Let me give you another secret. He says, I proportioned you. Again, a reference to the intricate design. But you have something else in you that makes you noble and honorable, not just that semen." Not that fluid. You can live like that. Body, worshipping, adoring this world, indulging. That is really the form. But you have something else. I breathe into you from my spirit, from that world. Which means you have an essence in you, substance, that compels you where? To connect with that world. You have it already. You have a fitrah. It's ingrained in you because part of your construction is that essence that pulls you to me. By the way, if we didn't have that spirit, we will not. We'll just, all we'll see is this, we'll not perceive that reality. You know when you pray, you start feeling Allah? That's all from the soul. But the soul needs exercises so that it can start to perceive that world of Allah and feel His presence. Then he says, third element, وَجَعَلَ لَكُمُ السَّمَعُ وَالْأَبْصَارُ وَالْأَفْئِدَةِ And I've given you the faculty of hearing of sight and hearts. Why did he give us the faculty of, heart, of sight, hearing, and the hearts to perceive? So that we can connect with Allah. He says, then use your faculty that I've given you to contemplate the sons of Allah. When you use them properly for the purposes they were created for, remember there's no accidents. I give you sight for a reason. I give you hearing for a reason. Hear the message of Allah. Look at his signs and don't think of them as just products to consume. No, as revelations themselves speaking to you about the presence of a hand behind them use your faculty that's what Allah is saying so three elements the physical body comes from this earth to live on this earth then Allah says further I've given your soul a spirit from me so that you can perceive me and connect to the heavens and your soul wants to live there Jannah not here and I've given you faculty to interact with this world so that you reflect on the signs of Allah and ultimately arrive at Allah, to Allah Then Allah says, let me remind you, verse 11, There shall come a time when you'll see all of this, when the angel of death comes to you, and you shall return to me. Who can tell us this but Allah? He is, he sums it up, reality. And he's asking, can't you see your origin from the fluid, of fluid? How do you not think that you're going to return your body shall return to earth and the soul shall return to its home, which is Allah. It's actually the story of life tells us this already. Process in the cycle of life and death, right? Constant in front of us. All of them are reminders from Allah Jalla. Then Allah reminds us, takes us into the next world, the next set of verses, where he tells us those criminals who denied, who rebelled against all of this, when they return to Allah, you know what their state will be? He says, نَاكِسُ <inaudible> رُؤُسِهِمْ their whole, their heads will be lowered in humiliation. When they realize what? Oops, what did I miss? How did I not see this? And I've wasted my life that on that day, they'll be completely disgraced. Because they were fabricating against the world of Allah. He says, you shall see this. The promise of Allah is fulfilled. It's already done actually. Remember in the world of uh, the spirit, there's no time. It's already done. We just think it's taking time. We just think that the criminals and the oppressors, you know, they're going to have their day for sure. It's already a command executed. You Remember, like the commands already happened. It's not Allah is going to issue the command. It's just manifesting over time in our eyes. And when life is over, you shall see the reality, he says. For sure. Any act of injustice, all these acts of injustice, shall have their day with Allah Azza wa Then Allah Azza wa says, and inshallah, we'll wrap up with a couple of verses. Verse 15 and 16 are and 17 are very, like, uh, at the core of the surah, the essence, the essence of the surah is coming down to this. After all this talk, look at the gentle transition into this. Where Allah says, He says, Here it is. The ones who really believe this, believe in this Quran, believe that behind these signs is that is Allah and His perfection. Who are the ones who are going to believe? He says, they're the ones who when they're reminded, they see the signs, they hear the words of Allah. What happens to them? Because they're humble people. They really see it right away. It's not confusing. He says, you're going to see them living life how? Whenever they're reminded, خَرْرُوا They cannot but fall on the ground in prostration to Allah because they see it so well and they feel that their bodies need to do this with Allah the physical body in this world so their thoughts are drawn where? up see the signs of Allah should compel you to do something the thoughts pull you up to Allah signs of Allah pull you to Him you start thinking about Him the spirit starts to feel His presence and what happens to the body? what should happen to the body? it cannot go up where does it go? down in prostration, subhanAllah. He says, if you do this, you're among those believers. Your thoughts are pulled up. When you contemplate the signs of Allah, you look around, your thoughts take you to Allah. If you're really fair, your thoughts should take you to Allah. And you start to feel His presence, and your body feels the need, the urgency to fall and do sujood to Allah. Not because you have to. Because you feel that you really, really need to do that. Not because somebody told you. Not coerced. Then he says, Verse 16, something mysterious. He says, when you start to do this over and over and over, you're reading the word of Allah with rigor, with with effort, and you're making an effort to prostrate to Allah over and over and over, it gets to a point where your heart is so in love with Allah. It adores Him so much. It feels His presence so much that tatajafa al-madajah. He says, at night, what is the thing we desire the most physically. Isn't it true? Like, at least suffering. It's like you have to stop suffering, right? If you can sleep. If you can stop the thoughts a little bit, you can get to sleep. And you're like, oh, alhamdulillah, I got three hours of just rest. Right? That's the ultimate thing we really adore in life. He says, they're so connected to me. These people, they're so in adoration of Allah they feel his presence so much that even their limbs start to refuse the beds. Their limbs start, after a few hours, they start moving to pull you out of your bed. On their own. On their own. Now, ask people who who, who pray at night, do you do tahajjud at night? Regularly, they say, I cannot but wake up at three. I cannot but wake up at four. I just My body is pulling me. They have like an automatic clock in them that pulls them up to be with Allah. They adore their time with Allah and prostration so much. They're so in love with it that they, they prefer it over what? The ultimate experience of what? Which is physical comfort. It, by the way, it makes, does it make sense? It makes no sense. Because it's the world of what? The heart and soul. That's different logic. And you have to experience it in taste. it. like, do you know how water, how amazing the water is? They're like, I never drank water. I'm from Mars. Say only if you drink it. You have to drink it to feel it and when you feel that presence of Allah through those prostrations at night you're going to experience something more, delight- more delightful than any physical experience in this world Allah is saying here it is then that world will be unveiled to you now there is a hadith about the hereafter where on the day of judgment the Prophet Sallallahu says a call will come out saying where are those whose limbs used to forsake their beds come out and a few people will come out and a gate of Jannah opens and they enter, and then it's shut. And everybody else is taken to the land of judgment. The first people, first people, those are the people of Allah who spent the, the most intimate time with Allah night time to be in His presence. That's the beauty of tahajjud. That's the beauty of praying at night. And the Prophet ﷺ says, Ashrafu ummati, the dignitaries among my ummah are the people of the Quran and the people of praying at night the most noble. Here it is. The act that will get us closer and closer to Allah is praying, but praying when? At night? And the ultimate is the last third part of the night. Before Fajr. Two or three hours before Fajr. You get that. You're set. You're among the best of the best. And those who really feel the presence of Allah, who who really experience Him, and it's not just a matter of uh, limbs and intellect anymore. It's a tasting. And you become strengthened further and further. Then Allah says, and inshallah, we'll stop with this. He says, you want to know what is waiting for them in the other world? He says, no soul knows what is has been hidden from them for them from the pleasure of the eyes. أَعْيُنْ I'll explain it. He says, okay, what's waiting for them in terms of reward? You don't know. It cannot be described The closest description of the pleasures that awaits the believer is what? You don't know. Can you imagine? Like the best way to explain it is that you don't know. Because it cannot be comprehended. Allah says, it's Qurra ta'ayn. Qurra means the thing that settles, makes some tests. He says, for your eyes alone, what you're going to experience and see will not make your eyes want to move. You just keep looking at it. Because you're so infatuated by it. That your eyes will not even move. And Qur also means coolness. When your eyes are happy, they feel cool, don't they? And when you're angry, don't you feel heat? We feel heat in our faces. He says, Coolness. You shall see and experience it. It's waiting, it's done. But it's hidden. So the Prophet says in the Hadith Qudsi, Allah Himself he says, I prepared for my righteous servants. That which no eye has ever seen. No ear has ever heard. And nothing that can cross the imagination of the human being. <sighs> because enough said. And here's the verse confirming it. And then Allah Azrael wraps up the surah by um, reminding us of um, the fulfillment of his promise with Musa. And how Allah honored the children of Israel and he said, Amongst them, the ones who were guided, we're the ones who did a lot of striving with Allah. Meaning what? You have to what? You want to see this promise fulfilled? Strive to Allah. Strive in these efforts, in learning, in prostrating, in enjoying good. Strive in ihsan, in excelling. Because Allah excelled in everything He has done. He says, when you start to tr- strive, you shall see the fulfillment of the promise. But regardless, whether you believe or disbelieve, the day when you return to Allah shall come and things will be sorted out and the veil is removed and you're going to see everything clearly so clearly so he wraps up the surah by saying to the Prophet how do I deal with the people hurting me fabricating and doing all kinds of things to obstruct from the path of Allah wraps up the surah by saying okay فَأَعَرَضْ عَنْهُمْ إِنَّهُمْ he says no just turn away from them turn away from them and wait wait for the answer it's coming and they're waiting too, but they're waiting for, like, to prove what? themselves right. He says, wait, just wait. Wallahi, shall see it. And when you see it, it's like a what? Blink of an eye. Blink of an eye. But you just do not see it as such. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Inshallah, we open the floor for questions or comments.